0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. We're back together for the first time in a week, and we have a lot of exciting stuff to get to today. But really, the only thing we should be discussing, Pat, is are the cats back?
1: Feels pretty good, right? I mean, woof, after... Of course, the the massive win last week at Cintas. You follow that up with another big win against Creighton. Back-to-back quad one wins, mind you, after searching for one all season long. I know walking out of Wells Fargo on Saturday afternoon, I had a little extra pep in my step. I felt really good because they have made some strides. They finally have put it together and found ways to close out games And here we are where a lot of Nova nation feels really, really good um, Mm -hmm. heading into this week. And uh, I think we both feel pretty good too.
0: Yeah. Imaginations definitely went abound after the Xavier game. And I can't even imagine what they're like after a 12 point win against Mm -hmm. Creighton, no less. And that I think would have been even more if the starters had stayed in, but I went on Chris Notaro's tip time before this game, which was so fun. It's on his Twitter if you haven't watched it already and you should be watching a Nova tip time before every game. Tommy He's the best. G is on tonight as you're listening to this episode before the Seton Hall game. So that'll be must watch. But it's just I said this. It is absolutely insane what one win does for us <laughs> fan base. <laughs>
1: <laughs> are you saying we're all unstable and completely oh swing God. by wins and losses?
0: <laughs> yeah, this season has done a number on everyone and then add this loss, especially in the the type, uh, add this win, I mean, and, and especially in the way that they won this dominant win, the first dominant win of the season against a team not named BC, basically, who went out and yeah. beat UVA, I believe it was over the weekend, right? That
1: was I, I believe you're correct.
0: But What a shocking turn of events, and I don't fault people for going crazy and all of a sudden having hope because you and I have said it from the beginning. We might still not have the highest expectations compared Mm -hmm. to other people, but we've been preaching Villanova just has to do something to show us that they can at least attempt to make a run in the biggest tournament. And winning at Xavier and beating Creighton by double digits at Wells Fargo are two pretty good attempts at that.
1: Oh, certainly. I think they've done it where if you feel hopeful, I, I understand why you feel hopeful. If you told me that a month ago, I definitely did not. But if you want to believe that depending on how the bracket shakes out, you know, if it's DePaul or Georgetown on Wednesday and then maybe a Providence on Thursday and say, hey, there's a chance the cats can get to Friday night and then all bets are off at that point. I, I'm not going to argue against you right now after what they did over these past two games. As we said, it was show me something. Now, when we discussed belief expectation, all that stuff, I, I think we both settled at two and three for them over this final five game stretch. they are currently two and one right now. However, I never ever expected a win over Xavier at Sintas to be a part of those two wins. So I think that raises the bar a little bit. And now that it puts them in the, it gives them a chance where they can certainly do better than two and three here with games against Seton Hall and Connecticut. And I'm really excited to see how they find a way to finish out this regular season.
0: Yeah. That puts, that puts things in actually really good perspective it's, if they lose out, which I don't think they will. And I, God, I hope that they don't. Oh, yeah. They have already met the bar that we were thinking they would be at going into the tournament. So that that's, that's actually pretty cool. But you took the words right out of my mouth, and I mentioned this on Thursday, too. I would have been disappointed if they were to lose versus Creighton and versus UConn just because of the momentum they built after Xavier, a game that you and I both thought there was no chance of them winning nope. on the road against a team that good. So tensions are going to be high against Seton Hall, and tensions are going to be Always high are. against UConn because... As we go, well, we we will talk about some seeding scenarios. There is still a lot to be done, but I think it's smart just to talk about it now, just because there is so much chatter about it. Seton Hall and UConn really want and need these games. So is always going to be the hunted. Pe- teams are always going to go out and give Villanova their best shot, but in this scenario specifically, it's going to come down to who is the sixth and who is the seventh seed for Villanova or Seton Hall. So a lot riding on these two games. Mm-hmm. We're going to preview Seton Hall in a little bit, and we know that these episodes are a little bit tough because now it's a little bit removed from that Creighton game on this Tuesday as you're listening to this episode. But we're going to just give you some big takeaways from this game, uh, trying not to let our pure joy and enthusiasm get in the way. But that's going to be hard, at least on my end. But Pat, start us off. What 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 was your main feeling after this game?
1: Yeah. So as we said, you know, the, just the importance of being able to string together back to back wins and not only back-to-back wins but back-to-back quality wins for for this team but i don't i think we have to start with the coaching game plan masterpiece that was in effect uh, on saturday and you know there have been times this year where we've discussed how we've disagreed with the game plan and in some ways very vehemently have disagreed with the game plan how you especially on offense, they drew things up for Saturday was so impressive. It was so well executed because there's also something to be said for giving the players the right play call and them not being able to execute on it. They executed it to a T what Villanova did on Saturday to identify Ryan Kochbrenner, a player that is usually, you know, a very solid defender makes things very difficult in the lane and to have him be the focal point to pull him every which way the man was basically on a string all day on Saturday and it opened up of course so many things for Eric Dixon it opened up things for his teammates we're gonna dig into it a little bit more but that's how I at least set it up is where I thought the staff and the players did a wonderful job in both setup and approach going into this game as well as actually carrying it out
0: so I thought Cal Neptune had his best coach game of the season at Xavier and then he went out and one-upped himself (laughs) against Creighton (laughs) Two best coach games of the season back-to-back. And the point you make is a good one. There is a chance that we have been uber critical of Kyle Neptune this season because the guys haven't been able to hit the shots. And, of course, your counterpoint can be, why are they taking so many shots yes. if they're not equipped to make that many? And, yes, of course, you and I both agree with you mm-hmm. with that with that point at least. But to see the shift, to see the game plan you brought up is is just perfectly executed because – They shot 22 threes. I think you might say that you're happy with that because it's a little bit lower than the 25 to 28 range that it felt like we were seeing a lot recently.
1: Be careful on the threes. I'm going to talk to you about that a little later.
0: Yeah, but the difference is Dixon took the majority of those threes because Neptune and the coaching staff knew that Kogbrenner wasn't going to stray from the paint. He was going to stay under the basket so that he could secure the rebounds and completely eliminate Dixon from under the basket, where he dominated Creighton last time out. So what does Villanova do? They pull Dixon out to the three-point line and let him dominate from there. Without that sort of assumption, strategy, whatever you want to call it, Villanova wouldn't have won this game because Creighton was... Their offensive output was stronger than it was last game. They would have been able to get more done. And then Kalkbrenner, as you mentioned, was just tired (laughs) he must have been so tired from having to guard the three-point line time after time and get burned time after time again so I think that's a really good place to start and it's tying into how truly phenomenal Dixon was in this game
1: Oh, certainly. So we, we look at it here and, you know, I've discussed it throughout the season that I don't love when Eric Dixon touches the ball a lot around the three-point line. I think it brings in a lot of variability and a lot of variance for, for what can happen like to turnovers, especially when he tries to back his guy in from basically the three-point line. It's just, you are opening yourself up for an opportunity for an opponent to come in, force a turnover, get you in a tough spot, all that stuff. That math changes. When the guy guarding you has no interest of following you out to the three-point line because he's supposed to be that rim protector and, and stay in the lane. And that's exactly what Kalk Brenner did at the start of the game. It's not that he just left Eric Dixon completely wide open, but he certainly wasn't committing to stopping Dixon at the three-point line. And he, he wasn't going over screens or, or trying to close out. He made him ways. make him
0: wrong. He, he made him did. Prove
1: yeah, Exactly. And guess what? That's exactly what Eric Dixon did, where he starts drilling threes left and right, catch and shoot. You know, it's that's the spot for Dixon. If he is going to shoot it, you don't want, you know, like the fadeaway three that I think many of us think about towards the end um, at, that we've seen a couple times this season. But catch and shoot, we know Dixon can do it. So what happens then? You know, they, they go on the run. Dixon hits a bunch of these threes. Greg McDermott calls timeout. Next time down, Same set happens. Eric Dixon collects the ball at the three-point line. Kalkbrenner shoots straight at him. And what does Eric Dixon do? He pump fakes, drives by, and goes in with a layup. It was just, they were, everything that Villanova did, especially with Eric Dixon, was used as a chess piece. And they they were a grandmaster uh, on Saturday because it just, it went into perfect, perfect effect. I was so impressed with it. You know, that's Eric Dixon. Calkbrenner Brenner still, even when it wasn't Eric Dixon, was still a focal point. On on defense, when Calkbrenner Brenner switched onto guys like a Justin Moore, like a Mark Armstrong, if you noticed, they stayed cemented to the three-point line and made Calkbrenner Brenner stick with them and be out of the lane or force Creighton to get into another uncomfortable change that would allow Calkbrenner Brenner to get into the lane. It was so perfectly done. As you can hear, I can just wax poetic about it uh, through, throughout the entire episode. It was so impressive. And it's what really propelled the Cats is that Kyle Neptune, the whole coaching staff set Villanova up for success by identifying a weak point in the Creighton defense and going at it every single time down the floor.
0: You want to know the best part? What would that be? Kalkbrenner is the reigning defensive player of the year. That's
1: why it's so special.
0: Right? So we're talking about all this as if Kalkbrenner is some bum. He is literally one of the best defensive players In the country. I tried to put myself in Creighton's shoes and I would have been screaming at Greg McDermott because they did it every single time. It was a bad game for Greg. Right. They couldn't make any adjustments, which is something that I think we've had issues with all season long. But yeah, this is why you and I have never called for Dixon to not have the ball in his hands around the three-point line or to take less three-point shots because as soon as he makes one, it opens so many more doors for himself mm-hmm. in the situation that you talked about where he's able to pump fake and then drive. It opens another scenario for his teammates where he's able to drive and kick. And that's why you see Tam have a lot more points than normal. Armstrong have a lot more points than normal. It's the more effect that makes yeah. everybody else on the court better. And it was beautiful. And there's always so much mutual respect in the conference between the coaches and Kyle Wright, uh, Kyle, right. Kyle Neptune is not excluded from that. But I thought there was a quote from the broadcast that was so perfect. And if it hadn't been this game, I would have just brushed it off because I always feel like broadcasters give Villanova way too much credit this year, especially. But apparently McDermott said to the two guys in their pregame session or whatever, Villanova is really easy to guard on film and then or predict for. And then as soon as the game happens, all of that gets thrown out the window. And this truly felt like the first time that this season, where Villanova's game plan worked, and it's because of all the things we just talked about.
1: It it worked to a T, and it was it was so impressive. It also helps when your guy goes out there and scores thirty one because they can, as we said, they can find the opportunities for him. But are those shots going to go down? Is he going to
0: make those six threes? Yeah, (laughs) pretty much everything.
1: (laughs) Pretty much everything that Eric put up uh, on Saturday went down um yeah. so i mean what a performance 31 points career high for him a high scoring game uh, from a villanovan this season incredibly exciting um Wells fargo was rocking um on saturday so that was just a, a ton of fun to watch
0: yeah it must have been so cool to be, to be there i hope that this performance puts dixon on the big man map because he's continued to be underappreciated all season long in that category what cracks me up even more is that he's on that map because of the six for eight three-point performance. <laughs> Not a lot of other bigs can do can, can can go out and do what he did. So no everything. Like no turnovers. All guys on the floor were so good at, at keeping the ball to themselves and forcing turnovers on the other end for Creighton. And it was just, it was beautifully executed this entire game. It was so much fun to watch. And it's an ode to Creighton that it didn't really feel over until the final buzzer sounded, or at least when the when the starters came out, they kept it close, even when it was a a double digit at uh, times 17 point lead. But Volnova closed again. And now they've proven two in two straight games against really strong teams that they can close, which is huge for our confidence going into the tournament.
1: Yeah and you know we've discussed it multiple times over the last couple of weeks how the defense has made strides and that's what's making you feel a little bit better about this team. Offensively, I still haven't bought in to 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 what I've seen. Saturday was a different story. Saturday things felt fluid. Saturday things felt connected. Um and if you're looking for reasons to believe, they most certainly gave you a big one there. Um, at Wells Fargo
0: yeah so I have a question for you as Mm -hmm. we as we talk about this this point with the offense they go out and score 79 against Creighton 64 against Xavier which obviously doesn't pop off the page offensively but still got Mm -hmm. the job done I mentioned on the solo episode on Thursday that I think it's fair to I think I said have a little bit of a pit in your stomach because they won that game from Armstrong Moore and Dixon And they won this game against Creighton because of Armstrong, Dixon, and Whitmore. You'll notice that the two glaring omissions from that are Caleb Daniels and Brandon Slater. Mm. It's weird that the two guys that we've relied on all season long have become really non-entities. I mean, Caleb was literally held scoreless from the floor against Creighton, and he did not have a very good game against Xavier, and same thing for Brandon Slater, and foul trouble against Xavier mean that meant that he only played 11 minutes. But how much of a concern is it to you that Villanova is able to get it done without those guys? Like, is their ceiling inhibited because Daniels and Slater just can't get it going recently? Does that scare you at all, or do you have enough confidence that the other guys can get it done?
1: I like what I'm seeing from the other guys to continue to come along. And, you know, Justin Moore didn't have his best scoring game though. I thought he was a maestro running the offense and did such a wonderful job with ball movement and especially late game uh, his, his post movement and being able to hold the ball was incredibly valuable. Uh, You know, we look at Caleb Daniels. I am incredibly concerned uh, about Caleb Daniels. You look just over the last two weeks, he is 15 for his last 52. That's 29% uh, from the field. And, He's really struggled. I think it's gotten into his head as well, um, where he's just he's trying to fire up shots to to get out of this stretch and nothing is going now to his credit. He was a very strong rebounder on Saturday, and it's more so than just he led the team in rebounding the amount of balls that he was in the lane that he tipped out to other teammates and was able to box out. He did a great job with that. He really did. But he is struggling right now, and I don't feel good when the ball is in his hands to that he's going to make the right play passing wise. And we know that those shots aren't going down. Slater, it, I it, he played well defensively, and, and that's important. I think offense we've seen it's just he's not going to give it the way we want to see it. But if he can continue to make things difficult on other teams, and you allow guys like Whitmore to play smarter, you know, more. Uh, it uses the influence that we think he can and mark armstrong continues to play that the way he's been playing lately i think he can withstand it even though you still you need some scoring from slater daniels is the one that really worries me because there's ice cold and then there's whatever layer of chill caleb daniels yeah. in right now
0: yeah seriously it feels like he had his good part of the season far too early than what then when we needed it yeah i think it's an interesting question. I, I feel more so the same way you do. Of course, Dixon isn't going to score thirty-one, but on the flip side, Moore only had eight against Green. Mm-hmm. So you think you those both regress back to the mean a little bit? Whitmore's in that range. Armstrong's in that range. So that's still four significant scores, not counting Daniels. It's just odd that it's it's now influencing playing time and Ross and rotation decisions. I talked a lot about the rotation on Thursday, and I know that. You had a lot of thoughts that you weren't able to say, but mm-hmm. just the, the fact that Kyle Neptune is now going to a different group when he needs a bucket or he needs a good defensive possession or he needs an offensive possession that doesn't result in a turnover. Feels like that had been happening a lot when Daniels was on the floor. And it, it to give him credit, this has got to be a really tough year. He starts off the season as the number one guy, yeah, the most scouted on the court, who's who's relied upon to go out there and score. 16 to 20 points a game. He was a top three scorer in the conference at one point of the season. He was. Whitmore comes back, that changes. Then Moore comes back, and now he's back to being that periphery guy. I still think the offense needs him in more of a central role, but it's got to be difficult to balance all of these new personalities in a rotation where you used to be number one. <laughs> That's tough.
1: You're you are correct, uh, and I still believe Caleb Daniels can come good because we've seen the talent for him. We know that Caleb can go out there, and you may not – It may not be the prettiest 16 points, but he finds ways to score 15, 16 points a game when when he's going. I still think he can tap into that. This has just been really rough for him. I think he's forcing things. If he's able to play off his teammates a little more, which I think these guys have done or started to do so much better lately, and he just gets into that flow of that. We can see him return a little bit more. He didn't turn the ball over like crazy on Saturday. It was only the one turnover. Villanova only turned it over three times Insane. on Saturday, which was so huge because we know this team has struggled with turnovers since Biggie's play started. If he can continue to limit that and find ways to to impact the game, that's going to be really important. It's been a rough stretch. It has been. I, I think he will play better down the stretch.
0: I keep thinking about what you said weeks, months ago at this point about how different this team is versus last year and you said caleb daniels doesn't have a caleb daniels (laughs) so i'm hoping that caleb daniels can can you know transition to the role that he's had in past years caleb daniels
1: can transition to being caleb daniels right
0: right just make the open shot he hasn't been driving as much because i think a lot of it attributes to what you said he's just trying to shake the cold stretch so desperately that he's just putting up threes as soon as he catches the ball we know how dangerous he can be when he establishes that threat of being able to drive past a defender too. So it's been a tough slog for Caleb. Seriously, seriously tough. And luckily his teammates been, have been able to pick him up. And mm-hmm. I think he's also enough of a team guy where he is. that's fine with him. But when all of these offensive pieces are going, you just think of how much further Villanova can go. And that's exciting. And I think it is, it is baseline good that they've been able to get it done without him, but it's still a little weird for sure.
1: I, I totally agree. One thing he did do very well on Saturday, and this is what a lot of Villanova or multiple Villanova's did well on Saturday. They fronted Ryan Kalkbrenner and made it very difficult for Creighton to get the ball into him uh, in the low post where these guys were looking to jump any pass into the post. And Caleb had a couple that he knocked away. I know Justin Moore, Jordan Longino drew that assignment from, from time to time. I thought they did a such a good job defensively, and that, that's one part of it. Second thing, I know you probably loved this because I know I did, and we've discussed it. How often did you see full court pressure from Villanova oh or three-quarter Beautiful. court pressure? It was most of the game. Now, there have been times where Kyle's busted it out, and we've seen it for a couple possessions, and then they usually retreat to, to doing their normal defense, but that was not the case against Creighton they were in that pressure most of the game and not only that they switched the Rover multiple times throughout the game there were times where it was Slater there were times where it was Longino there were times where it was Armstrong, which I think this defense will actually perfectly fit Mark Armstrong for for how intense he is and how quick you know he moves with the ball handlers I I don't think it was a coincidence that Villanova again had a rather solid defensive performance. By upping the pressure, upping the intensity, following Creighton, Creighton wasn't able to get into their sets comfortably, and that's a big deal when you go up against a team that's as talented as Creighton. So, lots of credit to the defense again.
0: You and I were happy about that. You know who was even happier? Who? Alan Ray.
1: Oh yeah, I say I couldn't follow anything because I was there. So, oh, well, no, just
0: from what he was talking about on our on our pod, too, just adding a wrinkle to that, that defense trope. to to make the team defense less predictable. And I I thought. It was nice to see the transition D improve because it wasn't spectacular at times against Xavier. But I like that strategy as well against a really good three-point shooting team because Mm -hmm. you're just throwing... I I hate to reuse the word wrinkle, but that's what it Like is. You're off-putting the Alexanders and the Shiremans who have killed Villanova from three in the past by having that rover front the top guy and keeping Dixon back. It didn't give creating as many open looks. They still had those open looks. Villanova was lucky enough that they missed the majority of them. But I like seeing the new things. I like exploiting or I- exploiting isn't the right word. You taking advantage of Villanova's strength, which is versatility and athleticism yep. of a lot of these guys on defense.
1: It is I mean, with a healthy lineup, this is a very athletic team yeah. uh, that can go out there. And is not always like that. For Villanova but you think about it cam Whitmore Mark Armstrong Jordan Longino Brandon Slater like there are some serious guys that can go out there move jump get around you know be be intense I love that and I think that's really exciting and you add that with kind of the calmness um and control that an Eric Dixon and a Justin Moore bring you start to feel good mm-hmm. you, you, you start to feel good
0: yeah no it's it's crazy how far we've come Pat just to to put a pin on this, really, they've won five of their last six games. Yep. That eighty-five seventy-two, some eighty-five two seventy-two loss to Providence. Of course, I'm not discounting that. That eighty-five points. That was a not a good defensive. That was
1: bad performance
0: Oof. from Villanova, obviously. But in those five wins, they're allowing fifty-nine point eight points per game. That's huge. That's insane. Yeah. And then going even further. It was only 66 to Creighton in that loss, only 73 to Marquette, only 70 to Providence. And then Mm -hmm. you go past to that win streak, the St. John's Georgetown, et cetera. I would say like 10 or 11 games now where the defense has been significantly improved. And you're seeing that in Ken Palm. You're seeing them take huge, huge jumps in the offensive and defensive rankings and the overall rankings. And it's just all coming together to give people hope in the tournament because the way it's looking now, Villanova has the chance to jump Seton Hall, which means they would potentially play Georgetown as the 11. That's like the one lockdown spot in the Big East rankings. Number 11, Georgetown, obviously. But it's going. It, it's it's entering a different field now where Villanova is, is in control of its own destiny, which is nice because we haven't been able to say that for the
1: majority of this season. You're discounting the Hoyas going on a run here in the last week? They're only a game <laughs> behind DePaul. Here they I come. S-
0: I saw on uh, Twitter that Georgetown played its last game at home, which means Patrick Ewing hopefully <laughs> played his or coached his last game for Georgetown. After. No,
1: they got they got to bring him back. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, he needs an extension. He won a game. You got to extend him. Um, yeah.
0: If that was the bar, hey.
1: Yeah, seriously. No, I I, I think you're on the money with it. Um, and I'm excited to see kind of how they look to to close things out here now to to douse a little bit of cold water on the offense, because that's that's what I look at now. Like the defense has made big strides and that's that's so important for this team. They need it. That's how most teams are able to find ways to win, especially as we get into late February and March. Offensively, as I said, I haven't bought into this for large stretches of the season. And then finally on Saturday, I think we saw a, a great thing here where I just, I say, be a little concerned for is that Villanova won this game behind 31 from Dixon, which of course is not a scoring output that we're going to see. And three point wise was really bad. If you take away one man, <laughs> Eric hey, what's, Dixon. What's
0: three for 14? I don't have uh,
1: power 21%. Power. I have That's it up. I, I already <laughs> did. Yeah, exactly. So I still say, I I'm watching this offense and I need it to continue to repeat the type of execution that we saw on Saturday for me to fully buy in and say let's do this. But you are seeing the signs that there is life and that they can. And I think that's as much as you can ask for for where we were just a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah. I guess the counterpoint is they haven't had a guy like Moore. Who can exactly. score 25 against Xavier? Exactly. And they haven't had this type of performance like Dixon or by Dixon to score 31 and just completely take over this game. So that gives me a little bit of confidence. And then, but the general point stands that you can't have a lot of confidence in an offense that doesn't seem to build upon itself game plan wise. You think that's a, a true statement? You get where I'm going there?
1: I would say yes before they started to grind out some of these wins. And then I would not consider Saturday night, Saturday afternoon a grind. I think Saturday no. was just a, a nice offensive performance oh, yeah. there. So yeah, yes and no um, with it, to give you a non-answer.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's just like we've had questions about this before. Things work, and then Villanova doesn't go back to them. Yes. So yes, it's great to see those two big offensive performances, but I get your doubt that the three-point shooting still isn't going down. They're still putting up a lot of shots and they're not going in. Mm-hmm. They're still not going down to Dixon down low whenever they need a bucket. X out this game, obviously, because he was on fire. Yeah, three. you have
1: to stick with what works in this right. game.
0: But what's worked in the past isn't necessarily the go-to option. Mm-hmm. And and I can see why that scares people, obviously.
1: Yeah, still scares me but still I listen, you can hear me. I, I feel much better about this. Mm-hmm. So they are starting to put things together. And if they then are on Tuesday night, go to Seton hall for a team that is really playing for its life in Seton hall too, because they are being backed into a corner right now and really struggling and you win that game. And it goes into Yukon on Saturday. I, I think the hopes are for a lot of Nova nation are really going to be up there for this team is hitting their stride at the right time, going to the yeah. big East tournament. Um, what, ju- just over two weeks from today? Yeah. Which is really, really exciting.
0: Crazy. Yeah. Um. Speaking of offense, we're not going to see any of that against Seton Hall. So that that's a great segue. <laughs> I,
1: first off, I said two weeks from today. It's about a week from. Oh, uh, almost a week from today. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah,
0: actually eight days. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Um. Me
1: too. Seton Hall, I, offense. Yeah.
0: What it comes down to, I think, is that we had the one nice offensive game. And honestly, that's all I need. If they if they win fifty to forty nine games against Seton Hall and UConn, I'm happy.
1: Oh, yeah. honestly,
0: it's not confidence inspiring, but they're going out and do it and doing it. We're not talking about closing, which was the biggest issue that we've talked about this season, because now they've proven that they can do it. So it's gonna be a different thing every time out. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just focused on winning. It was a fifty eight to fifty four win over Seton Hall the first time. And that didn't have any offensive presence from Casey and Daffo, who I think has grown his offensive game mightily as the season has gone on. We're going to see different wrinkles from them. Villanova obviously is hoping to get a better performance out of more than they did last time when he had one singular point. But this isn't the pretty offense game that you're building momentum on. This is a grinded out defense on a tough road environment for a team that quite literally, if they lose this game, probably loses their tournament, their tournament hopes.
1: They're two and four in their last six games. And those two wins have been DePaul and Georgetown at home. Yeah, uh,
0: If they haven't already is what I should have said at the end of that.
1: Yeah. yeah they they are really struggling right now. And, and to your point, you know, no, I, I don't think this is going to be some beautiful offensive explosion here from Villanova because we know how good Seton Hall is uh, on defense, but Villanova's offense is still better than Seton Hall's offense. Cause they, it is just so incredibly rough to, to watch them try and put the ball in the basket So they have to find ways, again, like I I expect Holloway to adjust to to what they saw in in game one there at Wells Fargo, which was a grinded out game, which is exactly what Seton Hall wants. So it fit the bill there. But of course, Nova is able to get it done. I think you're going to see Seton Hall do a little bit better job. The question is just do they have the scoring to overcome it? And I'm not sure if they do. So the key is really to make sure you're not allowing easy baskets for them. To, to accumulate points, force them to work for them because they haven't proven that they can go out and get them consistently.
0: Yeah, no, those are all really good points. They've gotten – the whole season has been a different guy, right? And this has kind of yeah. been Seton Hall's problem in the past. They don't have the star after Miles Powell. But it's, it's Dawes at times from three, but then when he's not going from three, it's kind of slim pickings. And they're going to show up on defense like they always do. That's a plus to Seton Hall. They they never really get blown out of games because they keep them low-scoring enough where they can compete. Mm -hmm. But fast start, I think, will be big for Villanova, controlling the pace, but also trying to work in transition a little bit. I'm okay if they try and keep Seton Hall on its toes a little bit by pushing pace, putting points on the board, so that Seton Hall is already on its heels trying to keep up offensively.
1: Totally. I I think a big thing too will be, does Kadari Richmond play? Didn't play against Xavier. That is a huge piece uh, for the Pirates. And and you mentioned fast starts, you know, that's something Villanova has not done at all this season until this past weekend when they went out there and scored 20 points in the first uh, 10 minutes of that game, which was really impressive. And honestly shocking uh, at some points to see Nova come out there. So can they repeat that and continue? I think it's going to be harder Against Seton Hall because Creighton's a decent defensive side, but um, Seton Hall makes things just so difficult on you. I I don't I wouldn't bet against the Cats though for to continue what they did on Saturday.
0: No, I, I have Villanova winning this one. I think it's going to be under sixty points <laughs> again. <laughs> but just to to put it in perspective a little bit in terms of seeding, if Villanova can go out and and win this game. So, Seton Hall has one more game against Providence at Providence remaining. And if Seton Hall wins that game, I will be absolutely flabbergasted. That will be the most surprising win of the season, potentially. So I think Seton Hall is going to lose its next two games. That pretty much locks Villanova into the six, which would be six versus 11, is Georgetown. And then it's going to come down to that Xavier Providence game on Wednesday night to determine who's the two seed. So Mm. if Villanova can just win, they're controlling their own destiny. PC has a tough remaining schedule, too, so we're going to scoreboard watch a little bit. You can decide who you would rather play, a healthy Xavier or a Providence, on Thursday night. And Seton Hall has a really tough thing to look at as they look back on their season because they really crash and burned down the end here.
1: You can tell me if you disagree with this. I think Tuesday night's more important than Saturday night. Uh, and why oh, I think that sure. it's it's head to head against Seton Hall and you have a chance to to take a one game lead over them um, by getting a win for Villanova and, of course, supplying them with a loss here. So, yeah, I am much more tuned into what happens on Tuesday for this team's Big East tournament seating uh, than, of course, a very difficult game uh, on Saturday. Yeah, you, you you definitely start to think about that. I know personally, I would much rather. If Villanova can get that sixth seed and, and play a, a DePaul or a Georgetown, you would believe they can get the job done uh, on Wednesday. And if they face a Providence team on Thursday, I want a third crack at them. Uh, I do not yeah. want to see Xavier with, with Zach Fremantle under any circumstances, but no. give me give me a third chance at the Friars and let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, so we're hoping in that scenario then for Providence to lose and Villanova to win, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, always going over to win. We'll always go over <laughs> to win.
0: <laughs> hmm. But no, we want Providence to lose so that they're the lower seed because we want Providence over a healthy Xavier.
1: Uh, that's my preference, at least.
0: Yeah. Xavier, Sands, Fremantle, I'm okay playing, but there's been a lot of chatter that he's going to be okay to play. Yeah. Um. The, the, Saturday night game will be huge for just beating UConn because we hate UConn, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot more seeding implications Tuesday, Wednesday night. Though that Those game slates will be very, very intriguing, and Saturday will just be hopefully a, oh my God, Villanova actually did win out when we wanted them to, and beating UConn would be so sweet versus you know Villanova actually takes a huge fall down the standings at that point which won't matter if they go out and beat Seton Hall and already have that head to head win
1: yeah d- don't get me wrong like I would be very fired up for for Saturday and, and planning on being in the building uh for that one against the huskies as well uh, I'm just when I'm taking impact in the yeah. the standings into account I, th- I think Tuesday nights their their bigger game because it's more winnable in my mind too Mm-hmm. I I think that Yukon game on Saturday is going to be incredibly difficult. Like we'll, yeah. we'll see we'll see what happens as this week turns out and and have more data points to go off of here. But Saturday is going to be a tall ask, no matter what happens. Take care of business on Tuesday, even though it is a road game, it's another opportunity for a quad one win. And we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy Yukon's going to be in that five. So hopefully the four could just take them out before Villanova has to play them because they're a tough. <laughs> tough matchup no matter what you think about UConn they match up tough against Villanova but I will be in the building at Prudential on Tuesday night
1: oh are you that's sweet I will
0: will hopefully send out some pictures it worked out perfectly I love the 830 tip I know you don't but it works out (laughs) great for me Pat (laughs) so yeah it's like 15 minutes from my apartment I'm so excited that I get to go
1: I'm okay with it when I don't have to record an episode after. Yeah, right, So, it's, right. so tomorrow no, night, I'm fine, because I'm just going to be no sitting on my couch.
0: recap, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so not not a big deal there, but oh, that'll be fun. Glad you got Yeah,
0: go. I'm excited to see what the turnout will be like, because there's obviously a lot of Villanova people in this area. So I'm hoping the nation shows up a little bit, and oh, they always if do. not, I'll just put it on my shoulders. and I'll, I'll carry it, so.
1: I, I firmly believe that.
0: Yeah, no, it'll be fun. This is a huge... Huge game. It will not be pretty to watch, but I think Villanova is the superior offensive team and they can eat out, eke out the win, get three in a row, get some serious momentum going into Saturday and the the tournament. If honestly, Pat, if you had looked a month ago to what this podcast episode would be like, as we're recording on February 27th, Villanova has won five of their last six, two quad one wins, one on the road at Xavier. It's okay to be positive. It is it's good okay. to be positive after yeah. the season we've had. They're in a good spot.
1: Hey, I'm usually the grim reaper too of like all <laughs> the uh, all the content creators for for Villanova stuff. And as you hear, my uh, my icy heart has even been melted yeah. from what we've Seriously. seen over over the past week here. So I, I think you have every right to feel good. The hope is that that just continues through Tuesday night because you know Ken Palm has them losing this game mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Even even I think that. They can and will pull this out uh, at at Prudential. I I think that they've shown us enough over the last couple of games and have gotten things into a a good place on both sides of the ball where I think they can try and overwhelm Seton Hall, at least in a way that gets the job done. So I I also think they they went on Tuesday, but it's going to be a tough battle. It always is, as we said, and this is a Seton Hall team very much backed into a corner. So expect Mm -hmm. a reaction from them. Um, I mean, we saw it at the end of their last game. Uh, against, uh, against Xavier, where it tried to start a brawl in the last second oh God, that uh, there. Yeah, yeah so th- they are ready. They are fired up. They know that their season has has certainly turned. I'm expecting a big reaction from them. I just think the Cats can uh, have their own reaction ready for Seton Hall.
0: If you've heard us on this podcast for more than five minutes, you know how much we love Ken Palm. But he's 0-2, yes. he's and I'm hoping he goes 0-4 in these last four games.
1: Yeah, he They had Villanova losing, like, every game from uh, yeah. <laughs> from February, part of February on. So keep proving people wrong. Love it. Yeah? Anything else you want to hit?
0: That is all I got. I'm excited. I hope people show out. I hope the positivity and optimism can continue.
1: Same here. Let's win another game on Tuesday night. Just keep let's, it rolling. Let's do it. All right, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out viewhoops.com for all your Villanova content all season long. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe to the show on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at S O N N Pod. We will be back at it on Thursday. Everyone, enjoy the game on Tuesday. Make it out to Prudential if you can. And Nova Nation.